and it's really about uh, how you can grow your faith. And then in section three, or growth track 301, on the third Sunday of that month, uh, we'll talk about your spiritual giftedness because we believe that God's given all of us different gifts. And uh, one of the things that we believe here is we, we really want everyone to be a part of a life group. Uh, it's a, kind of a small group or a Sunday school class. We have several that we're offering. We're kicking off some new ones at the end of September. Uh, and we also would love for everyone to serve. We believe that God has called all of us to find our place of service. And when you find that place, that doing that thing that God's created you to do, I'm going to tell you, it's an incredible place to be. And uh, we know that when we have people who are, who are reading their Bible and they're praying, they're spending time in prayer, and they're giving of their time, and of their resources, and they're serving, and they're, they're growing in a small group. We know that those people are really growing in their faith in Christ. And so it's, our, it's a challenge for us as a staff, as a church. We want to try to get everybody plugged in. And so the way that we've done this, we've created Growth Track. And so if you've not done it or if you've missed one or two, um, please go online. You can register for Growth Track through September. We'll also have it in October and in November. And we'd love to have you take part in that. You can also sign up on our website for uh, text messaging if you'd like to receive uh, updates and uh, announcements, different things that are going on. You can do that through texting. Uh, we send out periodically. We try not to send more than one a day and usually don't send more than two or three a week, if that. And so if you'd like to receive those, just uh, go on, online and you can see uh, basically uh, how to do that. So we've been uh, talking about enemies of the heart, and this has been... Um, Kind of a, a neat time of the year this, this, this week and next week. All the students are getting ready to go back to school. And uh, we dropped our daughter off at the University of Tennessee in Chattanooga uh, a week and a half, two weeks ago. And uh, I remember a story I heard about a college student named Jack. And uh, I don't know how you feel about things like this, but when Jack went off to college as a, fresh, as a freshman, he, he took it upon himself to buy a python. Yeah, I, I, you know, what gets into college students, I don't know. Sometimes they, they just do things like this. I had fish, uh, I, you know, I had a fish tank. He, he bought a six-foot-long python. And Jack's mom, when she heard about this, obviously she set some ground rules. She said, I never, ever, ever, ever want to see that snake, especially at my house. Don't ever bring that snake home. And so that was the ground rules. Well, Jack, um, after his first year, the snake had grown to eight feet. And uh, on one particular day, he had some errands to run back home. He didn't live too far from his, from his home where he grew up. And uh, he knew his parents were out of town that day. And he had nowhere else to leave the snake. He thought, I'm going to take the chance. I'm just going to take uh, the snake with me. His, his um, eight-foot-long python that he had named Larry Bud. And so... Um, Jack and Larry Bud travel back to his home. Mom and dad's gone. He's, he's getting some things from the house that he needed to pick up. And um, then he, you know, he remembered he needed to run these errands in town. And all he could think of was, I got to find a safe place to put this eight-foot python named Larry Bud. And so he looked throughout the house, and he had this really smart idea. He said, I'll just use the spare bathroom. And so he looked in the spare bathroom, he checked it out really well, and he couldn't see, you know, any problems, any issues with leaving Larry Bud in there. So he put Larry Bud in the spare bathroom, and he closed the door, and he left. He came back several hours later, and you know where I'm going with this, right? Larry Bud's not in the bathroom. 
He opens the door and Larry Bud is gone. And so he begins to do this search throughout the bathroom. And we, when he opened the cabinet uh, underneath the sink and he got down a little bit lower, what he realized was the vent, the air duct came up under the cabinet and it had no uh, vent cover on it. And so he, he realized Larry Bud, this eight foot python is now under the house in the duct work. Okay, and so he's thinking, how can I get this out? Mom and dad's gonna be coming soon. And he thinks, you know, snakes like cool places. And so that's probably why he, cool, he crawled into the duck work. He said, here's what I'll do. I know what I'll do. Smart college student, right? He said, I will turn the heat on because the heat in the duck work will help to force the snake up. But since he probably can't find his way back to this one bathroom, I'll go remove all the vent covers from all the rooms. So that's what he did. He went throughout the house. He pulled all those vent covers out and he turned on the heat and he waited and he waited and he waited, but no Larry, but he never came back up. And Jack realized he needed to get back to school for his classes. And so he wrote his mom and his dad a note and, um, he, he wrote him a note and he put it on the counter and the note was basically something to the effect of dear mom and dad. I came home for a little while today. I didn't know what to do with Larry Bud, so I'm sorry, but I brought him with me. And he is somewhere in the ductwork under the house. I've waited. I can't find him. I've turned on the heat. I've removed all the vent covers so that he would come up. Would you please look around the house? And if you find Larry Bud, would you call me? Love, Jack. So his parents come home a little bit later. Jack's mom and dad, they, they come home and they, they walk in the house and there on the counter is a note from their beloved son, Jack, right? Favorite college student. And so they read this note about this eight-foot python is now loose under their house. And so they would do like any of us would do, right? They searched throughout the house and looked for little Larry Bud and they couldn't find him. They didn't see him anywhere. They were tired from their day's trip, so they just went to bed. They didn't go to bed. I just made that up. I just threw that part into it, okay? Uh, I want to tell you a little bit more about that story. The, the crazy thing is, all of us, if we were to come home, and if we knew we had an eight-foot-long python, we probably wouldn't go in the house. But if we were to go in the house, we'd take some help or a, a gun or something, right? And we would search high and low before we'd stay in the house, before we'd let our kids in the house. I mean, if, for peace sakes, you do that if you have a mouse in your house, Right? And what we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks is we've been talking about this very, very special place that God's created within us that we often refer to as the heart. And we're not talking about the physical heart, but we're talking about that inner place from which you love and you yearn and you learn and you grow. And we, we talked about that, that inner heart. And the fact of the matter is that at times in our life, things will get into our heart or into our life. And if we're not careful and try to clean those things out and let God do a work in our heart, they can turn into monsters, a lot worse than an eight-foot-long python. How crazy would it be for us to leave the things that can destroy our walk with Christ and destroy our ability to have relationships with other people and just leave those things in our heart? That'd be nuts, right? So when, Larry's, or when Jack's mom and dad came home, I'll just finish the story because some of you are going to be sitting there just wondering what in the world happened. Uh, Jack was still there. He hadn't actually left. Um, and so they waited around and sure enough, Larry Bud did come up and he came up in a different part of the house, a different room. 
And Jack scooped up Larry Bud, and he ran out of the house and went back to college. And uh, like any good college student would do, I don't think he came home for a while. Um, but the, the whole moral of that story uh, is that if there's anything dangerous, or if there's anything that we would just find hideous or scary or nasty, we would do whatever we could to take care of it, to remedy it, to get it out. And we need to focus and understand the importance of the things that can sometimes get lodged into our heart. Because we said right from the very beginning that Jesus said we live from our heart. Jesus said the the things that come out of our mouth come from our heart. And even evil thoughts and, and all those different types, they come from our heart. And so many times we would think, no, they don't come from our heart. They come from our brain. And Jesus said, no, you live from your heart. And Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, in Proverbs chapter 4, he said that we need to monitor or guard our heart, be on guard above everything else that he ever taught. He said, you've got to learn to guard your heart because it's the wellspring of life. It's, that, it's from the heart that we learn to live. And so if you've ever had your heart damaged, if you've ever had your heart broken, or if you've hurt somebody else's heart, Those are little things that can be planted sometimes within your heart that can bring about issues and damage. And so we've talked about that, the importance of guarding your heart. And today what I want to talk to you about is the fourth of the uh, four things that I mentioned can sometimes be hidden within our heart that we need to learn to to guard or to monitor. And um, the fourth thing that I want to talk to you about today is anger. Anger. And um, we talked first about uh, guilt We talked then about jealousy, and then Sunday morning we talked about greed. And so tonight, I just want to hit very briefly on anger. And the cool thing about anger is we've all been there, right? We all know what anger is because uh, all of us pretty much have lost it from time to time. Now, I was blessed growing up. My daddy, man, my dad was like the coolest, smoothest just level-headed. It took so much to get my, you know, push my dad over the top. I mean, it just, it really, really did. Um, he, that's just the way that he was. Not everyone's like that. Now, every now and then I would, I would see my dad lose it. It would happen. Usually it was over my brother, not me, but it would happen, right? He would lose it from time to time. And, uh, and so we've all been there. We've all seen that happen. And the bottom line is this simply is it's easy for us if we're not careful to carry anger in our hearts. And anger, when carried in our hearts, has that unfortunate ability to to sort of rear its ugly head and harm the relationships of the people that we know and love the most. And so we've got to be very careful and we've got to think through these things. And maybe let's look at this verse in chapter 4 of Ephesians and maybe this will help us just kind of grasp it a little bit better. In Ephesians chapter 4, in verse 26, check this out. Uh, this, is, this is amazing. Look at these very first two words. This, this, is, this is something here. Paul says to be angry. Okay? Be angry. Right there you have permission, right? So if you go home, you lose it. Honey, honestly, Pastor Joe read it from Scripture. It says it in Ephesians, be angry. That's just where I'm at, okay? This is what he says. He says be angry, and all of us have kind of been there from time to time. But he says this. He goes on. He says, and yet do not what? Do not sin. Be angry and do not sin. And so this really is wonderful because this is realistic for us. I think sometimes when we read Scripture, um, we, we take some things and we, or at least we hear some things from time to time and we think, well, it's, it's a sin to be angry. That's not what Scripture says. The Scriptures here says to be angry, but don't let our, angry turn into, our, our anger turn into sin. 
And there's a difference in that. You see, the difference is when you carry your anger to that level in which you do something that you're going to regret, that you, that you hurt someone or you harm someone or you offend someone's feelings, whatever it might be. So it's taking angry, anger. It's, he says it's not wrong to be angry. That's going to happen. And so that should make us all feel a little bit better. The difficult thing is what we've got to learn and understand what Scripture's teaching is not to allow our anger to lead us into sin. And here's what he says. He goes on, and we've probably all heard this. And if you're married, you've heard this, right? We teach this in marriage counseling a lot of times. But do not let the sun go down on your anger. And here's what he's saying. He's basically saying, don't allow today's anger to carry into tomorrow. Don't allow yesterday's anger to carry into today. Paul basically, he didn't make this phrase up. This is something that he's pulled out of Proverbs. And it's, it was sort of like a very common saying that would have been used in that day. Sort of like for us, we'll use that saying, it takes one to know one. And so he's using this as a saying that was taught very commonly from the book of Proverbs. And he's helping people understand the importance of not carrying over that anger, not letting it be seated into your heart, but to learn to deal with it properly. And Look at verse 27. Here's what he says. He says, and do not give the devil an opportunity. Now, the Greek word translated here for devil actually means accuser. The accuser. The devil or the accuser. Now, a smaller percentage of people in our world today probably believe in the devil. Okay? I'm one of those people... I believe in a literal, real devil. Jesus believed in the devil, and I'm just going with him, okay? I, I believe in Jesus and what he said, and so I just believe there is a real devil. And what he says here is he says, you need to be careful and not give the devil an opportunity. An opportunity for what? To be an accuser. Don't give that devil that opportunity. When you carry your anger, not when you get angry, but when you carry your anger... He says, you open the door for the devil and you give the devil an opportunity to come and to have a seat, to make himself at home in your heart and to impact your life in any way that he sees fit. So you're just opening that door of your heart and you're making yourself so vulnerable to the devil. Now, you may not believe that uh, there's a devil and uh, you know that people though, uh, regardless of whether you believe it or not, you know that people who carry anger are hard to be around. I mean, it's difficult to be around angry people. Have, do you know those people in your life? It just seems like it doesn't matter what you do or what's going on. It's like walking on eggshells, right? We even have sayings for people like that. You know, we're walking on eggshells around that person. It's not a good day. It's a bad day, right? It's, it's because it's an angry person and they're dealing with some of those different types of things. And you remember I talked about the fact that with these four things, we talked about uh, guilt, jealousy, greed, and now with anger, that all four of these have this debt-debtor relationship thing going on, right? And so we talked about the fact uh, with guilt, uh, guilt says you owe me, right? Or I mean, sorry, guilt says I owe you because I've offended you, I've done wrong to you, I've lied to you, or I've taken from you, so I owe you. Jealousy says that God owes me. Remember we talked about in jealousy that we try to push our jealousy off on other people, we're jealous of this group of people or that person, but in actuality, our jealousy is an issue with God and how we think God maybe placed us or should have placed us. And so in actuality, what it says is, God, you owe me. 
you owe me and I'm, I've been shortchanged on this. And so greed we talked about Sunday basically says, I owe me, I owe me. And then with anger, what it's saying is you owe me. You owe me. So in a sense, anger is not only like opening the door for the accuser, for the devil to come in, but what anger does in our heart, anger's like opening up an account. It's like opening up a bank account, like you're a bookkeeper, and according to my records, you owe me. I'm angry with you. You owe me because you've done wrong to me, and I'm going to keep a record of your wrong, and I'm not going to forget about it. I'm not going to you know, forget about it until you pay me back because you owe me, and I'm mad. I'm angry because of what you've done. And so it's that debt-debtor relationship. It says, you owe me. And whenever you allow the sun to set on a season of anger in your life, it's not just, it's not just a day. But we all have seasons in life. And this is big. This is what you need to catch here tonight. Listen to this. The issues that you develop in high school, in that high school season, teen season of your life, if you don't deal with those things that created the anger in your heart, the seeds that were planted, you carry that into the next season of your life, of your young adulthood. And from your young adulthood into your marriage life. And it's so easy for us from season to season to not realize what's in our heart and to carry those things from time to time into those different seasons. And what happens then is it affects all the relationships that we have in our life at that point. So if you were God, if you were God here tonight and you loved you the way that God loves you and you understood this, what we're talking about, what we just explained, then what would you say to yourself? What would you say to you? That's why these next verses here are no surprise or shouldn't be a surprise to us. They seem a little bit insensitive, but they, they shouldn't come as a surprise at all because if your heavenly father, if God truly loves you the way that the Bible says that he loves you, then he desperately wants you to close the account on anger. He wants you to close the account on anger. He wants you to allow himself to clean out that part of your heart. To not walk around mad and angry and taking it out on people, a lot of times on the people who didn't cause it anyway, so that everyone around you feels like they're walking on eggshells. And here's what he says, Paul, Paul, by the way, who's writing from prison, who writes about this issue in Ephesians 4, look at what he says in verse 31. This is a command. This is a command. He says, get rid Get rid, right? That seems so simple. He says, get rid, that's clear. In the Greek, you know what that means? It's, it means get rid. Get rid of it. That's what it means. It's a get rid of it. Get rid of it. And it says all. And the interesting note here about the word all is in, when you use that word in the Greek at the beginning of a sentence, okay, then it's, it's emphasizing What's, what's, there's more emphasis on that word, okay? And so it's being used here at the very beginning of the sentence. So what he says is get rid of all, not part of, but all of it. Get rid of every bit of it. And what's he say? Bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Now, I got to tell you really quick, that goes against our society, doesn't it? That goes against what our world would want us to do because in our world, in our society, if you've wronged me, you owe me. And I have the right to get even, I have the right to, to get payment back from you. Even if it means 
I go to extremes. I mean, because you've wronged me, right? And so we kind of have this, this get even mentality within our society. And yet scripture here, when it comes to getting rid of anger, we're told to get rid of it, all of it. Now, it's sort of like carrying your trash out to the, today, Wednesday's trash day in my house. And so it's like early this morning, you know, I, you want to make sure you get the trash, especially in the summertime in this, this kind of heat. You don't want the trash, you know, sitting in the garage for more than a you know, few days, right? Because it's going to stink. And so you want to drag it out. So I, we did that. We, we drug our trash out to the, the street early this morning. Some of you probably did the same thing. And this is what he's saying here. You've got to get these things. That's sort of like taking the trash to the street. You've got to empty that out of your heart. But part of the problem with anger is that we so often feel that if we forgive someone and we get rid of our anger, then we've simply let that person off the hook. To forgive someone who's wronged me, to get rid of my anger, means I've let them off the hook. And in our society, that's not cool. That's not what we're supposed to do. And we think that we're, take, we're getting the short end of the deal by letting those people off the hook. But here's what I want you to understand. Getting rid of anger, the destructive power of anger in your life, and getting rid of that anger in your life bypasses the issue of fairness. It bypasses the issue of being paid back. And it, it, in essence, to get rid of the anger, to forgive the debt, to relieve that debt, to let it go, to not, not carry it over into the next season of life, to not carry it over into the next day, basically means you're getting back more than you would have if they would have forgiven the debt. That's how important it is. And then look at verse 32. Paul tells us to get rid of all of our anger. And then he says this, he says, be kind and compassionate to one another. You see, this is how it's done. This is how we get rid of anger. Forgiving each other. Forgiving each other. Joe, you don't understand, though. You don't understand how I was mistreated, you know, as a kid or as a teenager. You're right, I probably don't. But how long are you going to let that destroy your life by carrying anger in your heart and bitterness? You can't harbor that. You've got to let that go. You've got to do what the Bible tells you to do. You've got to do what Scripture says, and you've got to get rid of that and deal with it. Forgiveness is such a misunderstood thing. Do you know what the word forgiveness means? The word forgiveness means to cancel a debt. To cancel a debt. It goes back to that whole debt-debtor relationship thing. Forgiveness closes the door on the accuser. It breaks the power of anger, and it's the only thing that can do that. Now, I'm going to give you three things very quickly, and then I'm going to tell you a personal story um, just to kind of illustrate this, and then I'm going to let you go. So just a couple of minutes. Three things that you need to do to deal with anger. First, you have to identify who you're angry with. And for some of you, that may mean even a counseling session. I'm going to tell you, uh, Jeff Caldwell's incredible. There's nothing wrong with Christians going to uh, Christian counseling. I think it's important. I think it's needed for a lot of people because for you, your anger may not even be directed towards the people you're directing it towards. It may be something that you've carried or harbored from another season of life. And until you dig deep enough to deal with that, you know, you're not going to find the healing that you need. So first of all, you've got to figure out who you're angry at. Secondly is determine what they owe you. And then thirdly, you've got to make that decision to cancel the debt. You've got to make the decision to forgive. Now, I got to tell this so quick, so quick. Um, 
I, I grew up with two siblings. I have a, a brother that's four years older than me, and I had a sister who's seven years younger. Uh, Julie and I were uh, youth pastors in Oklahoma, and my sister at the time was 19. I was in a youth retreat in Oklahoma. It was late one night. Um, I can still, it was in Dalton, Oklahoma. I can remember we were staying in an old train car and, and had teens with us. A guy came and knocked on the door in the middle of the night. It's the, the horrible thing you never hope you have happen. And my sister had been in a horrific car accident. And long story short, they lifelighted her to Cape Girardeau, Missouri. And I caught a, uh, Julie and I caught an airplane uh, to St. Louis the next morning. And in the airport in St. Louis, my dad paged me. We didn't have cell phones at that time. I called him, and he, he informed me my sister had passed away. She was 19. So I went home, and I walked into that horrible scene of my, my, my dad. My mom was, you know, family gathered around my mom. My dad sitting at the table with a funeral home director. And as a, as a pastor, a person in ministry, you, you know, I've seen those scenes, but never walked through that before with my own family. And so when I found out the situation, my, my sister's boyfriend was driving the car. Um, I'm really not quite sure what came over me. All I know is today looking back, all these years later, I'm so thankful that God was, was with me, walking with me and working in me in that situation. Um, because I called the young man, his name was Kevin. And I said, Kevin, I want to come see you. And so I drove to Kevin's house the next morning. This was the day after my sister died. I drove to the guy's house who was driving the car. He was drunk. He had driven off the road. And as a result, the car had flipped upside down in a creek, and my sister died. He didn't get her out. He got out, and he sat up on the road, too drunk to get out, to get my sister out. And I sat across from this young man, and I said, I want you to know that I forgive you. I forgive you. And I just, for me and for my own sake, I didn't even know what I was doing at that time, I don't think, but I'm so thankful that God kind of gave me the strength and gave me that opportunity, gave me that moment to walk through that with this young man because I don't think I'd be where I am today. If I would have harbored that bitterness, because I'll, I'll tell you, my, my dad and my brother, it took them a little longer because they wanted to take this guy out because when you go through that kind of loss, it's tough. It's tough. How do you forgive people? Listen, and you've all, some of you maybe have been there, maybe you're not, for you, maybe it's something a lot smaller, I don't know. But for me, that was a big thing in my life. And I had to find a way just to forgive. Just to forgive and to cancel the debt so that I could move on. And now looking back, I can see so many ways how God has kind of helped me and, and just walked with me and even my family and even with Kevin, the guy that I forgave. And uh, a lot of incredible stories there I could share with you, but we're out of time. I want to pray with you. Pray that God would just take and use uh, this series in your life. I'm going to dismiss you because we have uh, ice cream floats and different things out under the carport. And uh, may God help us to learn to forgive. May God help us to learn to clean our hearts and uh, uh, to, to deal with guilt and greed and jealousy in the way that scripture tells us to. So let me pray for you, okay? God, we love you. We thank you for your blessings and for your word that challenges us. And God, specifically tonight, I pray uh, that you'd help us.